this morning, I want to talk about something that I think, at least for myself, is the most important. What happens when I don't meet my expectations? What happens when you don't meet your expectations? We all have them. You expected to maybe be married by now and you're not. You expected maybe that all your kids would go to Harvard. I didn't. Uh, so I'm doing great. All right. Maybe you expected that, that your marriage would be happy and, it's, and, it's, and you're in a time of struggle. Maybe you expected to be better off financially. Maybe you expected to be farther along in your career. Maybe you expected that your friends wouldn't, that you'd have more friends or that you'd be more popular or just insert whatever it is there. Have you, have you met your own expectations? We can get to a place where we, we are so consumed with our current circumstances that we miss what God might have for us. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a very um, uh, uh, popular or very, um, you know this story. It's the story of Jonah. And um, this isn't advancing. I don't know what's going on. Jonathan, sorry. The story of jo- Jonah. Um, and you probably know this story. He was in the belly of a whale for three days. That's, that might be how much you know. You might, you might know why um, it, 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 he was in that belly. You might not know why he was in that belly. Um, and and uh, just so you know, we can stay on for facts, the Bible never says whale, okay? So if your kids come from children's ministry and they have a little picture of a whale, you can tell them, what are they teaching you in there? That wasn't a whale. It, all it says is just, giant, just big fish. He's in the belly of this big, big fish. And so um, we're going to catch Jonah. Here's what happens to him. He's a prophet. And so when you're a prophet, this is what you're supposed to do. You go to your own people. So prophets would go to Israel. They would give them the news of what God thinks about them. Those people were supposed to um, confess their sin And then God was supposed to bless them. That is the job of a prophet. You go to your own people, you tell them what what, what they're doing wrong, and then uh, they confess and they repent, and then God blesses them, and then Israel's built up again. And you watch this this cycle over and over again in in the history of Israel. There's a they fall into sin, they fall into idolatry, a prophet comes, tells them to confess. They do, and then they're they're prosperous again. So this is where we find Jonah the prophet. His expectation for his life as a prophet is that he will speak the truth to the people of Israel. They will repent or not, and then God has the ability to bless them. So uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, this would be odd because this is the, the, the Assyrian capital. The Assyrians were, thank you very much, the Assyrians were unruled for the 7th and the 9th, the 9th to 7th century, and they were horrible people, horrible people. And so God tells him, go to Nineveh and um, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. This is so powerful, this, this statement their wickedness has come up before me. It's only referenced two other times in the Bible. The first was the flood. <laughs> that, that, so that's kind of a big deal, okay? The second was the golden calf when Moses comes down from the, 
uh, mountain. They're, they're all worshiping these idols, these golden calves. And so it's very strong language. And so God is uh, saying this to Jonah. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Can you advance that, please? I don't know what's going on. Anyway, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, you'd, you'd think, at least I would think, that he would do this because he was scared. The, Nineveh, the, the, uh, um, the Assyrians were horrible people. And you don't just walk up to horrible people and just start telling them where they're wrong, okay? That's how you die. Next slide, please. Then the Lord sent a great wind. So here's what he does. He goes, he goes, uh, he, 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 he's supposed to go, if you look at a map, it would be like coming from Garden Grove and God telling you to go to Salt Lake City and you go to San Pedro and take a ship to Hawaii, <laughs> okay? That's about the distance, okay? And so he, he, he gets on the ship. He's like, I'm not doing it. And so God does this. He, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. The Hebrew language here right now is actually says the ship said it was going to break up. Like, like it, it really did threaten. Like, if you guys don't do something, I'm done here, right? Okay, next, go ahead. Ne next slide. So here's what happens. They, they, um, Jonah's sleeping in the, at the bottom of the ship. And he wakes up and he goes, hey, I'm the reason the ship's going to break up. Throw me overboard. Now, here's, I don't know if you read the Bible like I do. I always read it with a whole bunch of questions. Why didn't he just jump overboard? I don't know why, but he just says to them, hey, throw me, throw me overboard. And they're like, no, 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 we can't, we can't do that. And so this is what they do. They, they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Because they threw him over, he's gone. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. They're trying to get off the hook for what they did. And so Jonah gets caught up in this fish. God provides a fish. I don't know if God had one following the boat or he just created one on the spot. Like, you know, he jumps off and it's just like, I don't know if you saw the latest Jurassic Park, but uh, maybe it would look like something like that, that big thing that caught the shark, I don't know. Um, but he goes into this fish and he's in there for three days. I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know what it was like. I don't know if he was cramped up, if he was walking around. Like when I was a kid, the picture that I saw was him sitting like on a tongue, a giant tongue with a candle. Like I, and I'm always like, where did he get the candle? And like, didn't the matches get wet? Anyway, like I said, I asked too many questions. But he's in this, he's in this fish. You know what would be cool? I thought about this this week while I was going over this. You could just grab sushi anytime you want. <laughs> like anytime. You're just like sitting there. You're like, well, I'm already here. Oh, man, this is great. So anyway, I just thought about that. Uh, that, I love sushi. It's like one of my favorite things. But he's there and he begins to pray this prayer uh, of thanksgiving. You can go to the next slide. Anytime. There we go. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listen to my cry. Next slide, please. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. For those of you who don't know, I've memorized this. That's why I can just say it off the top of my head. Uh, 
So he's, he's in the belly of the whale and he begins to cry out. This was not Jonah's expectation three days ago. He, he was a prophet. He wasn't supposed to end up in a fish. He wasn't supposed to. His circumstances are dire right now. He's in the belly of a fish. It's dark and it smells like, I don't know, fish. Next slide, please. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Next slide, please. So, the fish spits them up on the dry land. There he is, covered in I don't know what. He smells, okay? And God restates what he wanted Jonah to do. He says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Go ahead to the next slide, please. So he goes. And it's really funny the way the Bible talks about it. Nineveh is three days wide. If you're going to walk it, it's three days wide. And he basically just walks like, like okay, you're going to die. God's going to kill you. you know, he basically just walks in a day. He has, I don't know how many people he even talked to. And he tells them what God told them. And they believe it goes all the way to the king. It says, the Ninevites believe God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. They even made the animals repent. <laughs> they, like put, they like put sackcloth on the animals. Okay, go ahead to the next slide. Let, so the king makes this declaration. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Next slide, please. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. It's beginning to work. Next slide, please. When God saw that they did, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This would be like I happen to be a New England Patriots fan. It's, I keep it quiet, usually. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that was frightening. Hey, you're messing up my story. Uh, it would be like me going to like, the Raiders locker room before the Super Bowl and giving them the playbook for the New England Patriots. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's better when you're here. I'm just telling you that right now. Right? I mean, this would be like, no, 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 here's, here's what it would be like, here's what it would be like, because I, I think our church is split about 50-50 Democrats and Republicans, all right? This would be like, you're a Republican, and God tells you to get on your knees and pray for the Democrats, and then they win the presidency, the House, and Congress. They just do a full sweep, and you're like, are you out of your mind? What? What's going to happen to the country? Or vice versa, you're a Democrat and it goes the other way for you. And you can't stand them. Go ahead to the next slide. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. 
Jonah's expectation for where his life was going to end up is where he would be a prophet to the people of Israel and he would go out and he would preach what God told him to preach and they would repent and God would bless Israel and now he's blessing the Assyrians? Doesn't God know what they've done to the Israelites? And now Jonah takes this calling of God of being a prophet. This is a high calling. Probably from the time he was a little kid, he knew there was something different about him. And he began to hear the words of God. Some of the prophets we read in the Old Testament started hearing God at a very, very young age. Some of them, we hear one story that one of them thought it was somebody in the other room and kept walking over going, what, what did you say? And it's like, I didn't say anything. He realized it was God talking to him. This could have, I don't know, but this could have been happening to Jonah the whole time. He could have already done some prophetic things in his town or had to do different things that God called him to do. And now, as he's entering the ending of his life, he is called to Nineveh. And he prophesies, and it works. (laughs) If it works, it's supposed to be his own people. Next slide. God asks a great question. He says this. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. By the way, just a trick, pastor, trick. If you say, like if, you, if somebody thinks it's Tarshish their whole life and you say Tarshish, it makes you look super smart. Because um, then they're like, wow, maybe I've been wrong my whole life. Isn't that what I thought? Didn't I tell you? Now watch the next slide. This is fantastic. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. What kind of argument is that? Can you imagine being an argument with your spouse? You're like, I knew you were gracious. I knew it. I knew it when I married you. Man, I knew you, I knew you serve others. God, that's no argument. This is, this is, it's not meeting his expectations. Where his life is at that point isn't where he wanted it to be. And he knew God was going to call him to do something else. He knew God was going to save those people. Right when he was told, he's like, man, God, God loves the Ninevites. I can't believe it. Go ahead to the next slide. God, he says, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Go ahead to the next slide. But the Lord replied, this is so great, so, so great. Is it right for you to be angry? And here's a question I have for us. Maybe your life isn't where you wanted it to be. Maybe your kids aren't where you want them to be. Maybe your finances aren't where you expected them to be. So what do you do? Is it right for you to be angry? Maybe your marriage isn't in the spot you thought it would be. God has the same question for us. Is it right for you to be angry? Now, here's, the, here's one of the things that just blows my mind. Jonah was actually hearing God. <laughs> Think about that. Jo- like, 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 I hear from God. I think I do. Normally, it sounds exactly like my wife, Lisa. But, uh, but I hear from God, and I think I know what he's saying. But it's never like God. Like, it's, I don't hear it's not like I wake up in the morning and he's like, John, 
because God has a super deep voice. Uh, you know, I need you to preach next week on expectations. Jonah's actually hearing God, and he's angry, which means to me, because I don't think I'm any different than Jonah, that when I focus on my own self, what I want, what my expectations are, I can miss hearing from God. I can miss the, the beauty of that, the miracle of that, because I'm so stuck on myself. Go ahead to the next slide. Jonah had gone out, this is so funny, and sat down at a place east of the city, and he made himself a little shelter, and he sat in the shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. He just sat in his own little shelter, and he goes, we'll see what's happening, because Jonah wants justice. He doesn't want what God wants. He wants what he wants. So he makes a little shelter, and he sits there in his own misery, I've done that a thousand times. Have you? Sometimes it's in my car and I'm sitting there in my own little pity party and I'm going, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And I'm just like, why? How come God isn't? Well, God should do something. Why isn't God doing something? I've, I've done all this. I've done these things all my life. I've followed God. I've done the best I can. And I just sit there and watch what God does. Next slide. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. And made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. Jonah was very happy about that plant. So here he is in the shelter of his own misery. And God, it had to be a big plant if it brought shade. And it had to come up pretty quick. So imagine you're taking a nap in your own little pity party. And you wake up and God just provides this thing for you. And you're like, oh good, my finally my circumstances have changed. So therefore, I can be happy. See, if my happiness or my joy is based on my circumstances, you can see how difficult a life that would be, correct? So watch what God does next. Let me see the next slide. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, <laughs> which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and wanted to die again. You see a common theme with Jonah. He's a little baby. He said, it would be better for me to die than to live. This is where Jonah's at. Why? Because all of Jonah's life and joy isn't the fact that he can hear from God. Isn't the fact that he has this personal relationship with his heavenly father. It's his circumstances. If, if the Ninevites are happy, I'm unhappy. If they're successful, I feel unsuccessful. If I have shade and comfort, I'm happy. If I have scorching heat, I'm unhappy. Now, what's mind-blowing to me is that God can care so much about Nineveh, all these evil people, and at the same time have this personal relationship with one of his children. Isn't that sweet? Maybe, just maybe, your circumstances and the, somebody being successful over here and your brother-in-law is a lawyer and your mom is like, you know, I wish you could be more like him or whatever your expectations for yourself aren't measuring up, that God wants to speak into that. God wants to be a part of that. Next slide. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? <laughs> Ask him this other question. This time, Jonah has an answer. Go ahead. 
It is. <laughs> it is. Does Jonah know he's talking to God? Does he know that? I, you can talk to God that way? Apparently. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. No, go ahead, you can go to the next one. And so the Lord put Jonah to death because of his incessant whining and carrying on. And all of the land rejoiced as Jonah's body was carried around the desert by wolves. Just before he died, he realized he was stupid. But it was too late. If I were writing the book of Jonah, I would, I would, and if I were God, I'd be like, dude, if you, if you say you're, you want to die one more time, it's happening. It's happening in the worst way. I'm t- you're going to be carried around the desert by wolves because I just can't hear you whining anymore. It's ridiculous. Go ahead to the next slide. That's not really what happened, by the way, <laughs> just in case you're new to the Bible. The Lord says this. This is so great. This is so great and so rich. And if you have some expectations of where you were going to be and where you've ended up, this is a great verse to see. But the Lord said, you've been so concerned about this plant. (laughs) You've been so concerned about this plant. Though you didn't tend it. right? He He didn't put seeds in and let it grow up. You didn't make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Go ahead to the next slide. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Listen to the heart of your heavenly Father. In which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. They don't know. They're lost. They're lost. Did you know that sometimes when you get wounded by people, they don't know that they're wounding you? They have no idea. And yet then we sit in our shelter of pity and we look out and see what's going to happen to them. We keep scrolling until we see, oh man, they went out to a nice dinner again, doggone it. Well, newsflash, they probably won't post what's really going on inside. And yet we sit in this shelter and God says, man, when I see Nineveh, I see these lost people. And then this is so cool because he says, and also many animals. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Like, even the animals repented and God is like, like you put the sackcloth on the, you could do this, well, to a, not to a cat, but you could, you, could, you could save a dog, probably. Go ahead to the next one. I'm concerned about a plant. God is concerned about a people, right? I'm concerned about my circumstances. I'm concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow at that business meeting. What's going to happen here? How come I'm not farther along? And God's like, man, I'm concerned about the people that you work with. I'm not concerned about your promotion. I'm concerned about your boss. I'm concerned about your coworker. You can, you can, you'll be fine. I've been taking care of you since you were a baby. You'll be all right. I'm not concerned about your marriage in the sense that it has to be just like somebody else. I'm concerned about your spouse and how they're relating to me. You're concerned about your kids making it to Harvard. I'm concerned about their souls and where they are in their relationship to Jesus. You see that? Go ahead to the next slide. Yeah, this is great. So Paul writes about this. He says... uh, He's, he's talking to the church in Corinth. And basically what's happening is they're comparing Paul with all these other ones, Apollos and Barnabas and all these different teachers. 
And so Paul could easily sit back and say to himself, man, I think the Corinthians like Apollos more than they like me, and I've done all these things. Why, why, why do they push back on me so much? And he could sit in his shelter of pity and see what God's going to do to that church in Corinth. But Paul decides to write to us some instruction on how to bypass the shelter of pity, how to not look at the circumstances. And it's, and it's very strong that what he's going to end up with is such great news to you and I because what it means is that you don't have to have your circumstances run your life. Things can go wrong and you can still have the joy that Jesus had even in the midst of his trials. It's funny, it's Palm Sunday today and we celebrate him coming in on this donkey and they're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's like, like, yay, you're the Messiah. And Jesus doesn't go like, finally, I'm getting the cred I deserve. He just does his thing. The Pharisees are talking to him like, how can you let him talk like that? And Jesus says, oh, don't worry about it. If they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it doesn't, don't read too much into it one way or the other. And I'm so glad that he didn't get so caught up in the praise that he didn't follow through the next week with, when it got difficult. See, his joy, his forgiveness, his peace wasn't based on his circumstances. So Paul says, let a man regard us in this manner. In other words, if you want to identify me as something, it's not going to be at the size of the church I plant or the size of, uh, you know, if Paul's saying, you know, how many churches I can plant in a year or, uh, or which churches grow and which ones don't. don't, don't, don't I don't need to have anything uh, like those external things. Let a man regard us in this manner, a person regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is, it is required of students, uh, stewards that one be found trustworthy. Let me just tell you this. Your value, if you want to rate yourself, which you will see in a second, I would suggest you don't, is based on your trustworthiness. Not on how much money you have not on how good-looking you are, not your body type. It has nothing to do with that. Next slide, please. He says, it, but to me, it's a very small thing that might be examined by you or any human court. In other words, what you think of me, it, it doesn't concern me. I'm, I'm, it's a very small thing for Paul to, you know, if they say, well, I, I, I'd like Apollos to preach because I think he's a better preacher. Paul's like, it, it's a very small thing that you would have any input into that. Go ahead to the next slide. In fact, this is so amazing, I do not even examine myself. I, I don't even value, try, try to give a value to myself. I, I, may, I, I made a horrible error yesterday. I did a funeral and a, and a wedding in the same day. And so, um, so I do the funeral, and then I have my notes for the funeral, and then... Um, I, I have my Bible, and so we're, I'm standing right here, and it was uh, Travis and Valerie, and uh, fortunately, they, well, I actually haven't talked to them since. They might still be angry. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so I open it up, and it literally says, you know, we are here to uh, celebrate the life of Bob, <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're not. 
No, this is the wedding part, you know. And so I just make this huge error. Guess what Paul's saying? Well, that's not your value. You made a mistake. You flunked that wedding. That, that's not who you are. That's not, were you trustworthy? Yes, I was. That's all I can do. I'm going to make mistakes. Some of you might have lost a marriage, okay? And you look back on your life and your expectation that that marriage was going to last you your whole life, and it didn't. And God says, okay, let's, let's move on from this. How can you be trustworthy moving forward? I do not even examine myself. Watch what he says, though. Next, next slide. For I am conscious of nothing against myself. Next slide, please. Watch this. Yet I am not by this acquitted. I can't just say, oh, it, I'm great, you know. Watch what he says at the very last one. Go ahead. But the one who examines me is the Lord. This is so sweet because uh, I don't know why I just did that now. It wasn't working the whole time. So uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm finished. Okay. As the, as the worship team comes back up. This is so great. Have you ever examined something? You know, maybe you go to the store and you pick it up and you look at it and you assign a value to it. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I'll look at something that I want and then I'll pick a value in my mind. I won't buy that for more than $10. Have you ever done that? I do that. Anyway, maybe I'm crazy, but I'll, I'll assign a value to it first and if it's more than that, I'll go, yeah, it's not worth it. You have a heavenly father who picks you up and he looks, and you've got scars, you've got bumps, you've got bruises. You're not quite what you thought you were going to turn out to be. And he goes, priceless. I love this. I love this. Matter of fact, there's a whole section of Scripture. We don't have time to get to it. But he calls us these earthen vessels that are cracked, that are, and he uses them for honor. 